Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Imagine if you could dry, detangle, style, and volumize your hair all in one step. Well, it's easy with the Not Doctor All-in-One Dryer Brush by Conair. Create beautiful blowout styles at home with a powerful 1,000-watt motor for quick drying and easy glide Flexalite bristles for snag-free detangling. Customize styling with three heat settings and use the cool shot to lock in your look. Ionic technology reduces frizz, bonus attachment volumizes your hair, makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for the Not Doctor All-in-One Dryer Brush now. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is football grad creator, Manu Alveth. Manu, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing really well, Bryce. Uh, we had a fantastic weekend of football, didn't we? Just oh, outstanding. Excellent. I mean, the Klassiker yesterday, um, which was, I think, fantastic advertising for German football. And I'm probably already maybe the best game in European football that weekend. Didn't think we could, anyone could top it. Um, of course, Manchester City, Liverpool was a good, good contestant for that. And, but we actually had probably an even better game today in uh, Bayer Leverkusen against Gladbach. So I'm really looking forward to, to discuss all these games. Um, yeah, what a fantastic weekend. But how are you, Bryce? I mean, this, this was great stuff this weekend, wasn't it? It, it really was. I must say, there were, there were so many goals. We always talk about uh, the amount of goals in the Bundesliga and the amount of entertainment. And yeah, th- this weekend was absolutely perfect. It, it ticked every box that we could possibly want, really. Uh, and you know what? The weekend started off unlike the rest of the weekend when we had uh, Werder Bremen uh, drawing with Köln as well. That, that 1-1 game, I remember you, Chris, and I messaging saying... This isn't a great one. This isn't a Friday night we'll probably remember come the end of the season. But then Saturday, that all changed, didn't it? Since matter you, you and I were agreeing that you're probably the game of the weekend was Mainz versus Schalke. No. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, I mean, that was a two-two. Uh, those two struggling sides couldn't even uh, separate them on that occasion as well. You're probably wondering where Chris is at the moment. He's unavailable this evening, but uh, you will hear from him later on. Uh, so uh, Manu and I are just um, cracking on, and we're going to get through some of the games. Um, well, <laughs> I just don't know where we're going to begin. Actually, I do. Let's look at the table. And if we do look at the table, I must say, Manu, there's one team that seemed to be overachieving at the moment. Uh, and it's that team sitting in fifth. Yeah, Union Berlin. And 12 points out of seven games, a 5-0 five no, five no win against uh, Arminia Bielefeld. I mean, granted, Arminia Bielefeld, a newly promoted side. And you don't expect too much of them. I think a lot of people 
expected them to be in that, that relegation zone for most of the season, right? I think uh, Bielefeld's big luck at the moment is that in Mainz and Schalke, there's just two teams that are probably some of the worst in all of Europe's top leagues at the moment. Um, but yeah, on your own, we've seen them a few times. Um, we've spoken about them a few times on this podcast. They are a very well-organized club. They are a club uh, in Berlin that is doing a lot of things right. And yeah, I, I mean, that was a convincing victory. And will be interesting to see whether they're going to be able to keep this pace uh, and finish in the top six. I think, you know, for them, their number one target this season, as it will be every season, is to reach that magical 40 points, right? The 40 points, no team in Bundesliga history has ever been relegated with 40 points. And that's that's, I think, their number one goal. And to see where it goes from there. But yeah, I think this is a team that not a lot of people had on the radar when it comes to the top top six or seven in the Bundesliga at the moment. And it's fantastic to see because I think Berlin, um, Hertha, obviously a project that's a club that's spending a lot of money, um, hasn't really quite kicked off yet the way we expected it. And in Union, there is a nice counterbalance to that, a club that's not quite spending that much money, really fan-driven, really fan-organized. And they're doing a lot of things right. And I think Berlin does deserve two teams of that caliber in the Bundesliga. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen Hertha Berlin also win 3-0 this weekend um, away to Augsburg. Um, Mario, actually, um, one of my friends, he asked me, he, he turned around and said, um, do you think that it would be possible for for Union to become the biggest side in Berlin? I, I mean, I responded saying that you know, I think investment might, uh, might play a... a you are a part in that and separating the two sides, but Onion, you know, after seven games, you know, sitting somewhat higher in the league than Hertha. Hertha's sitting down in in twelve. I think hmm, that it's, it's an interesting question because I do think that maybe Onion is more of a Berlin-based club. Hertha is very West Berlin, is more of the um, the, the suburbia, right? Whereas Onion is and is in Köpenick, it's in East Berlin, it's a bit more of the heart of the city, a bit more of the 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 urban crowd is going to Union. And it's, I think, what you're getting with the two clubs, you're getting two very different groups of people supporting either club, right? You're getting in Hertha, you're getting the more suburban West Berlin, um, more upper class kind of crowd, um, you know, more white collar kind of crowd, Whereas with Union, you get more of a working class feel to it. And to say one is going to be bigger than the other, it's really hard to say because they have very different approaches of how they want to um, become, or how they model themselves, right? Hertha, of course, with the Windhorst millions invested into them, they they want to become a big city club. It's part of the, even of their slogan, which is, uh, has been made fun of many times. And, and Union, Union Berlin is a former GDR site. Um, they are a club that are very much core driven by the fans and i mean either either way you can have success so i think that there is enough space in berlin for two big clubs to be quite honest it's it's germany's biggest city by population it's one of europe's biggest cities by by land size and i think there's enough room there for two clubs to to prosper and succeed yeah here's hoping it did certainly um it would be great for the city wouldn't it if, if either one side or both of the sides you know, we're to have a bit of success over the coming years. Um, a team that, um, well, had a bit of success on Sunday, uh, we're going to move to now, is uh, Wolfsburg, who managed to uh, 
scored two and beat um, Hoffenheim 2-1. Um, a rather entertaining end to the game with uh, Bowman going up for the uh, e- attempting to get the equaliser, winning a penalty, and then the penalty being missed. Uh, I must say, I, I, that was one of the many things that could be lost this weekend with the amount of entertainment that was going on. But we're going to focus uh, on Ov- Oliver Glasner's um, situation there um, at Wolfsburg. Manu, it, it seems like even though they're unbeaten this side and not really conceding many goals, but not maybe scoring many goals, but there seems to be a bit of pressure on him now. And so there was talk even this week of him losing his job. And what, what exactly is the issue there? I mean, are they really doing that badly? Yeah, there was a lot of speculation this week that this could be Oliver Glasner's last game because he heavily criticised the um, sporting director or director of sport, um, Schmatke, and uh, the sporting director, you know, director of sport, sporting director, um, these are two different positions. Um, sporting director Schäfer for not necessarily getting him the right players and um, maybe not looking into buying the the right attacking players for his side. Um, Maximilian Philipp is has been one player that has been sort of highlighted, and they were they were kind of saying, well, this is this is maybe not the player that he necessarily wanted. There's a lot of speculations in in the summer. Um, actually in the early fall, right? The transfer window was so late this year and it didn't end till October that Wolfsburg were in on signing uh, David Nunes, who is now at Benfica, the Uruguayan striker, who is one of the best talents on the number nine positions I've ever seen. I um, had the pleasure to watch Benfica's Europa League game against Rangers uh, midweek, 10-man um, Benfica getting a point, a 3-3 draw against Rangers and, and what was an overall fantastic game and Darwin Nunes rescued those point that point for Benfica. And I, I can see why Oliver Glasner was perhaps a little upset that the money that was invested in Maximilian Philip and Biatok, the, the the young Polish striker that they signed, he would have I think rather seen that invest in in someone like Darwin Nunes, you know, someone to give him an a Wood cost alternative. And the this the the word on in Germany was that this could because of the criticism made, this could be Glasner's last game. Now, the, the result today is going to be interesting how do, how that will factor in, right? Is that um, he said today that he he didn't mean the criticism as harsh as it sounded, he sort of walked away a little bit from the criticism. It will be interesting to see whether that's enough, whether when this podcast comes out on, on Monday, right? We record on Sunday. We did this week, we recorded Saturday, Sunday in two segments whether that still stands. But this is some of the background when you when you talk about the situation of Oliver Glasner. And it's really just about the lack of scoring. Because when you look when you look at where they are on the table right now, I think they're meeting expectations price, right? And to beat Hoffenheim, I, I rank Hoffenheim very highly. Uh, they 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 won their midweek game five nil in in the Czech Republic. They have a very good side. They beat Bayern Munich this season 4-1, right? This is a very, very good side. So for them to beat them, it's a good result. And it's going to be interesting to see if it was enough, um, if the result and Glasner's comments after the game were enough to sort of calm the situation down a little bit. Yeah, that's it. And it, it almost sounds like his um, his comments are, are him backing down a little, I must say. And sitting in sixth, as I said, without losing a game this season, it would seem a, a little bit harsh for him to then uh, lose his uh, job. But these uh, these things do happen, don't they? They've got Schalke coming up after the international break. I would imagine that that could put um, Glasner. That's three guaranteed points. 
<laughs> Quite possibly, yes. So, so you know that will probably put uh, Glasner's uh, situation uh, even in a, a tougher position to to be fired, I would imagine. But um, you mentioned um, there, Manu, uh, about Hoffenheim winning five 0 Let's talk about the German teams in Europe uh, this last week. Uh, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, I'm. I'm I don't know what to say, but uh, we we ran through each of the tables before we went on the podcast, Manu, and it's looking very, very rosy in Europe for the German sides at the moment. With um, yeah, three of the sides, four of the sides, sorry, uh, sitting at the top of their groups, and the other ones sitting in second, but joint with the leaders of the group on points. Manu, things are looking rather rosy um, abroad for the Germans at the moment. Yeah, I thought the results this week were really good, and not just in the Champions League, but also in the Europa League, which is where we have criticised Bundesliga teams um, quite a bit, right? So to see Leverkusen beat um, Hapoel Beersheba 4-2, that, that's a result that they need to get. But that Hoffenheim result against um, um, Liberitz 5-0, I think that those are the kind of results that you expect from Bundesliga teams in Europa League games. The Champions League, I mean, Gladbach 6-0 win against Schachter Donetsk. Uh, Schachter Donetsk are a very good team, and that's, that's a fantastic result. Uh, it puts Gladbach in a very comfortable position with their five points, right? Because if they win the away game against Schachter Donetsk, they're sitting on eight. And depending on how Real and Inter take points of each other, that could be almost enough to go through, right? Um, we, we spoke about Leipzig. Leipzig um, took re- revenge for the Champions League semi-final loss um, against PSG. They beat them 2-1. Again, Leipzig take three points in that next match. That puts them almost into a category of being qualified, right, for the next round. That's nine points. You, you're very close at that moment, and you have won the head-to-head against PSG, which means, they, you know, depending on how the United result goes, that might be already enough. Um, Bayern are probably through. Uh, they were fantastic against Salzburg in the last 10 minutes. The, the first 79 minutes, I was in the other Bundesliga podcast to discuss that. Um, they were It was very even. Um, the last 10 minutes, yeah, fantastic stuff. And then Dortmund, um, a very convincing result against Bruges, um, which, which was very much um, about time, I would say. Yeah, this is it. It's, it's looking all positive uh, for the German sides. I, I mean, Manu, what do you think it, it is? I mean, each year we talk about, you know, a, a particular, you know, country doing well in Europe, you know, whether it's uh, the English sides, whether it's uh, the Spanish sides or whatever. But uh, obviously the German sides seem to be quite the force this time around. Is, is there anything in particular that, that you think seems to be causing this? I think the league is very good at the moment, Bryce. It's just a very, very good league. I think people, we had we had probably had quality problems like three, four years ago. But right now, I mean, we saw the two top games this weekend. And we're going to speak about the, the one of them next, right? I think the quality in the Bundesliga is very good at the moment. It's probably, with the Premier League, the best league in the world. And I think the top four leagues, they always kind of rotate a little bit. For a while, it was La Liga, right? And it was Premier League. But I would say the Bundesliga, probably top to bottom, is maybe the best league in the world at the moment. And you see it. In, you know, and the, the quality is just is, is just shining through a little bit right now. And um, I think that is really what it comes down to. And those things change. You know, I, I'm, I always hate comparing the top four leagues because... It's so difficult to do, and those things change so quickly. You know, last I think last year the Bundesliga was the best league in the world, and it showed in the European competitions. We had two teams in the semi-final of the Champions League, right? 
League A also highlighted that they were quite a lot better than most people make them. Um, and I think this year we're seeing the same again. The Bundesliga is a very good league. Yeah, isn't it just? And I think we should probably go back to the Bundesliga and talk um, about a, a very special game on Sunday evening. Well, Manu, I mean, we keep saying that you know, this weekend there were so many exciting moments to talk about. And this game, you know, did its very best to beat Der Klassiker as well. Der Klassiker, obviously, we'll talk about shortly. Um, well, Chris and, and you will. Uh, but um, let's talk about this game first. Um, Bayer Leverkusen 4, Borussia Mönchengladbach 3. Uh, Gladbach were... Um, ahead on two different occasions in the first half. Half time, 2-2. And then probably the best was saved to last. Leverkusen played a fantastic second half. But that uh, Valentino Lazaro goal, oh, if you haven't seen that, make sure you go online and check it. Uh, Manu, how did you describe it? Unbelievable. (laughs) I said it was probably the best goal that you will see in world football this weekend. Yeah, it's it's going to be very, very hard to top that. Unbelievable. I think we're going to be seeing plenty of clips of that this season and beyond. But the victory does see Leverkusen go up to fourth while Gladbach sit in seventh. Manu, you could talk all night. You could have your own podcast about this game. It, it, it was fantastic, wasn't it? I think what I really liked about this game, it did show the quality of the league. Right, because this was not first against second, this was not Bayern against Borussia Dortmund, it was Gladbach against Leverkusen. These are what would you describe maybe as secondary teams when it comes to the power ranking of the league. And the level was just as good as it was on Saturday. It was it wasn't just the goals that were scored, and there was a lot of them, right? But it was the the way both teams approached this game, with the really high press, but it was also some of the passing that you saw and the build-up play that you saw, and particularly from Gladbach, I thought that they were very well organized at times and they played um, the better football than Leverkusen for large stretches of the game. But And then again, Leverkusen as were very, very good on the counter-attack. So you saw really the difference between two different styles and how they played out. And yes, this game ended up in Leverkusen's favor with 4-3 result and... But it could have been. It could have also ended in many other ways, right? There was plenty of chances uh, in this game, and uh, I thought it was just very impressive how those two teams, with their respective styles, tried to really play the best football available to them. And I think what really impressed me from Leverkusen's side is how they lost Kai Havertz and Kevin Follan, and including us. A lot of people were really critical about that and thought that they may not have done enough in the transfer window. And I think. You know, Milot Rashika was supposed to come in. We know that now. But when you look at the side now, um, Abu Dhabi had his best game that I've ever seen from him today. He was brilliant. One of the things that I've always criticized about him wasn't that he was not a talent, because I think his talent is obvious. Um, he's he's a fantastic player. But today you could really see his decision-making has improved tremendously in the early part of this season. And you have someone like Lucas Alario. We always knew Lucas Alario was a good striker, but he's never really shown it. And right now he's the second best striker in the Bundesliga, right? So I think sometimes when certain players leave, um, that the players left behind, there's an opportunity for them there. And in, in Diaby and, you know, Alario, you have two right there that, that made the most of the opportunity present to them. I also saw Leon Bailey was fantastic. Florian Wirtz was fantastic. And then, you know, where do you start with Gladbach? You have <laughs> Braille Mbolo, who's absolutely resurrected his career. 
Uh, Turam is now a French national team player. Uh, Alassane player should probably be a French national team player, right? Um, Florian Neuhaus in midfield. You have um, Wolf coming in from RB Leipzig on loan. He's, he's slowly but surely picking up and showing the promise of his career. There were so many world class or potential world class players on the pitch today. It's and it, it shows the depth of the league, and it, that's why this game was so fantastic to watch. And I mean, these are two sides that got tremendous results in Europe this this week as well. And I think this when you asked me that earlier question about what. What is it about the Bundesliga getting these results is because you have teams like Gladbach and Leverkusen who play in Europe and then they're able to now translate that result from European competition to Bundesliga competition and vice versa. And as you said, Wolfsburg against Hoffenheim early on was a great game as well. And, you know, I think this is really what it comes down to. There's a lot of quality right now in the league and you can turn on so many different games right now in the Bundesliga and you see that quality. And this, this was such a fantastic advertising. Yeah, unbelievable. And you almost feel for Alario as well because that first goal or the second goal of the game, the first goal for Leverkusen where Davi's running for, it seems like a lifetime, you know, on the, on the counter and he lays it off to the side of him. I mean, that was an incredible finish as well, wasn't it, from the edge of the box? And just there's so much entertainment on here and so many attacking talent. Um, as you said, how players not in the French squad, you know, when Thuram's been called up, it's just beyond me. Um, both brilliant players, but uh, you almost expect if one's going to be there, the other one should be as well. But uh, I suppose there's only so many spaces. But uh, matter if we just um, talk about the two sides, um, who would you say out of the two teams? I mean, obviously, if you look at the table and you see Leverkusen are fourth and Gladbach are seventh, as I mentioned, but which team do you think is in better in a better place right now or, or a better state going forward. So, I mean, it's it's early days, so jumping from 7th to 4th isn't going to take that much. But uh, do, do you think one team's in a better position than the other? It's so tricky, isn't it? Because you know that those first three Champions League spots are going to Bayern, Leipzig and Dortmund. And you know that fourth Champions League spot is probably going to be either Leverkusen or Gladbach. So these these results between these two teams matter so much because these two teams are in my opinion each each of them have Champions League quality you see it with Leverkusen in the Europa League and the results that they're getting there and you see it with Gladbach and the results that they're getting in the, in the Champions League at the moment right the, the draw against Real Madrid uh, a game that they should have probably won and the draw against Inter Milan a game that they should probably won and then the 6-0 against Shakhtar Donetsk I mean this is a Champions League caliber side and it's um and you just know that only one of them is going to end up in the Champions League at the end of the year because the the three teams ahead of them, Leipzig, Dortmund and Bayern, are just also very, very good. And, you know, we, we're getting a little bit of like a top six feeling in, in the Bundesliga where, you know, like in England, there's always a big side that will miss out on Champions League football. And I think this is why this result for Leverkusen was so very important because you're essentially getting three points over a club that is rivaling you for that fourth Champions League spot. And that puts them in a better position. Absolutely. And going forward, that will put them in a better position and it will give them a lot of confidence. Whereas, you know, you know, Rose has a two-week national team break, um, not knowing what players are going to come back with COVID and what players are going to be fit and so on. So it matters, right? It matters an enormous amount. And having three-point advantage over your direct opponent is always a very comfortable thing. Yeah, absolutely. And... That means after the international break, you're going to see Leverkusen taking on Armenian Bielefeld 
and Borussia Mönchengladbach will be at home to Augsburg. So, I suppose we better get to one of the other uh, highlights of the weekend, and that was Der Klassiker. So, on Saturday nights, uh, Manu caught up with uh, our other regular, Chris Williams, to discuss Der Klassiker from head to toe. Guerrero and Reus! Borussia Dortmund in front! On the cusp of half-time! Marco Reus! the best goal-scoring record of any active Bundesliga player against Bayern has beaten Manuel Neuer and the fat is in the fire. So yeah, Chris, what are we going to make of this result now? Because, you know, going into this game, we really stressed on our last show that Borussia Dortmund needs to start winning Klassikers if they want to pick up the title. And, I mean, on balance, why they were very good... The, the bottom line is that they lost this game 3-2. So is this just another disappointment then for Borussia Dortmund? Can we, is it too early to say, okay, well, here we go again, like another title loss because of, you know, the inability to, to see through games like this? Yeah, it's a really difficult one for Dortmund to take this, I think, because um, they did so well. I thought they played really, really well in the game. Um, their finishing was was pretty poor. I mean, I don't want to say that um, Erling Haaland had a bad match because he didn't. His positioning was spot on. Obviously, he scored a really difficult goal, um, but he missed a lot of opportunities where you think he would normally score them. Now, strikers don't score 100 chances out of 100, but someone like Haaland tends to score a little bit more than he did. And I know he got his goal in the end, and as I say, it was the most difficult one. But I said before, Dortmund sometimes play more than the 11 players in front of them. They play Bayern, the club, the history. I didn't feel they did that today. I thought I thought Favre's tactics were spot on. Um, obviously, they take the lead um, right at a crucial time, just before half-time, bang on 45 minutes. Um, but Bayern find a way back. They do what they do very well. So just park Bayern at the moment. But Dortmund, on another day, this could have been... 5-2 to Dortmund. I thought they were really good. It's the finishing. I mean, I, you will know, Manu, I'm not a big fan of XG at all. Um, I think it can be underused and it can also be overused in certain situations. But when it does become quite a tool to look at it is either when a player scores from a really strange angle where the percentage of scoring is less than a percent, you go, that's a really good goal. Or a game like you've got today. So, the expected goals for Dortmund from the Opta stats from the DFL um, was 2.48. And obviously, that would suggest that they should win the game because Bayern's was only 1.52 and the scoreline's 3-2 to Bayern. So from that, we have to look at, did Bayern score harder chances? Yes, because Lewandowski scores a brilliant header. Um, and did Dortmund miss easier opportunities? Yes, it did. So it's, this would be a really hard one for Dortmund to take. You echo so much of what my thoughts are on on this game because you look you look at a couple of things when you line those two teams up and you compare them and you say okay well bottom line is they're both very good you know they're two of the best teams in Europe based on talent and and you see it in the game I mean this is probably was the best game this weekend um, on the entire continent I mean the level was extremely high but it's these there's a few little things that i always notice when 
when Bayern played Dortmund in in recent games, um, I thought this is the same thing I noticed in, in the last game. Um, there is Bayern have this ability to make goals happen out of situation that don't necessarily would be clear cut goal scoring chances. The Lewandowski header is a good example, right? I mean, Lewandowski could have had a hat trick today. The the two goals that were called back without VAR. Um, that wouldn't have happened. Um, I'm not saying VR was wrong here. Um, I, I, I actually got it bang on. I mean, you can't be a little bit offside. You're either offside or you're not. I don't even want to open that kind of worms. But the bottom line is Lewandowski is very good at what he does. Right? And I think when you contrast what we saw from Lewandowski today to what we saw from Haaland, Lewandowski had essentially three looks at goal and scored three times. Right? Um, it was only technology that held him back for, for two of those goals. And I think that's quite telling. And then the other, only, the other difference I see is that um, Bayern Munich really struggled on on the right flag flank. I thought Bunasar had a a superb performance. Um, he's definitely not at the level of Benjamin Pavard. And uh, Gio Reyna at times had a field day with him. But the the final pass, the final decision in the box, was what Dortmund let down. Whether it was a pass that was just a slightly behind the man, whether it was Holland opting to shoot rather than to pass, um, or sh- shoot pass rather than shooting, we had that as well, right? And it's those 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 little details that make the difference. And I think this is really where I, when I watched this game, I, this could have also ended three three. Not forget that Marco Reus had an absolute howler, right? Um, and Holland basically telling Reus, like, look, you could have maybe used your head there, but it's those little tiny things, and. When you have these chances, you're speaking of XG, and I, I believe it 100%. I mean, we all watched the match. We all saw Dortmund having way more chances than Bayern. I mean, that's the bottom line. We don't need like some odd XG number for that, right? It's like you always say that too. Eye test is most important. But I think it's just the difference right now, and this is what separates Bayern, not just from Dortmund. It separates them literally from every club in Europe um, because they're doing this in the Champions League on a, on a week-to-week basis as well, Right. Is that they just they put away the chances. When Bayern have a chance, it's a goal. That's when it almost appeared it. Like Leroy Sané, um, when he made it 3-1, that was a, that was chances in the entire game. He shoots through Akanji's legs and curls it into the far corner, right? And I think I almost feel like those are the just it's these small tiny margins that separate these two sides. And I don't know if it's experience, if it's tactical setup, but I just feel Bayern just win it because they just have that ability to to make when they get a chance even a half chance it's a goal for them whereas for most other clubs that's just not the case that's just my general observation but I, i'm pretty sure that's this is something that we can 100 percent agree on right yeah most definitely is something that we can agree on and i think it's because Bayern are a little older um they're a little more experienced i mean you've got the likes we're, we're comparing the forward lines here so i mean let's just take a look at the forward lines and Leading the line for Bayern is Robert Lewandowski, who is considerably older than Erling Haaland, and he's got a lot more experience. Um, and that sort of shows on the pitch, because for me, Haaland does miss a couple of, for a player of his standing, what he would regard easy chances. And I call them easy chances because the goal he scored was a lot harder than the ones he missed. And then you compare it, as you said before, with Lewandowski's header. The ball comes in, the way he manages to beat Hummels to the ball, not just only beat him to the ball, 
it's the way he... This, this isn't a fluke, by the way. He's not just thrown his head at it and it's come off a certain part of his head. He's not like got 50p for a heads with angles on it. He knows exactly where he's going. He goes for that ball. He sees where Berkey is and he knows the only place that Berkey can't stop him from scoring is if he puts it in the extreme right-hand corner as Landowski looks at it. And that's exactly what he does. He sees the cross coming, beats Hummels, gets his head on it. And he couldn't have placed it better if he picked it up and walked it there with his hands. That's how good a finish it is. And yeah, it is. I mean, shots on target, Bayern had 14, Dortmund 15. Total shots, 22 to Dortmund, 18 for Bayern. Seven off target for Bayern, uh, for Dortmund, four on target. Um, and, and that's where it is. Roman Berkey actually makes more saves over the match, but the three crucial saves that Manuel Neuer makes are all straight at him. Now, we're on about one of the best goalkeepers in the world here, and he's probably in the top, he's in the top three of goalkeepers for me. There's Oblak, Neuer and Alisson, and you know, fight it out between ourselves who's the top, but they're all the best goalkeepers in the world for me. And Dortmund... When you're in a, when you're in front of a keeper like that, you've got to test him anywhere within arm stretch for someone like Manuel Neuer is a relatively easy save. And those three saves he has to make are all directly at him. So I think that's where the problem was for Dortmund today. I've seen some criticism aimed at Lucien Favre online. Um, I would be the first, I wouldn't be the first to jump in and offer my criticism. I don't want that to be a public persona. I do enjoy Lucien Favre and I enjoy his sides watching them play football, but occasionally he gets it wrong. I don't think really there's anything that he could have done differently today. It went a little bit flat. He changed that up quite quickly when it did go flat because he brought on the substitutes as and when they were when they were required. We came down to that around about 70-minute mark, um, and on came Torgan Hazard, um, and on came Julian Brandt as well. And I thought they had a very good game once that happened. Um, it's just it's just a shame for Dortmund that, that they couldn't finish their chances because on another day, those all those chances go in, or majority of them go in, and they win this game by three goals to one, or maybe three goals to two, or maybe they even just win it 4-2. Um, and we're having a different conversation. So... I think the players are going to have to have a look at themselves. Interesting to see Mats Hummels speak to the German rights holder straight after the match and say that he thought the difference was in the finishing. And, and for me, that's exactly where it was. I thought the midfield and I thought the defence um, were fine. And individually, I thought Gio Reyna had a really good game, but his opportunity is straight at Manuel Neuer. The same with Jaden Sancho got himself around, maybe marked out a little of the game because I think Bayern know how crucial he is. But Marco Royce was fantastic. Another day, you're quite right. He puts his head on that, but I think he's going for the spectacular equaliser. Um, and Haaland gets his goal, but scores a lot more on another day. So it seems strange criticising Dortmund because I thought they they contributed equally to what should have been a draw, really. But unfortunately, as I tweeted out, um, goals win games. And when you don't score, you don't win. And you mentioned Manuel Neuer there. There's one observation that I did make um, a couple of times. And I think this is also where Bayern have an advantage over every other club in the world is that Bunasar had a stinker and often was not where he was supposed to be. But then Manuel Neuer is there instead and <laughs> cleans it up, right? 
And that's just, I think that must be so frustrating if you're an opponent and all of a sudden you have that space. There was one moment where Haaland escaped uh, the defense and Emmanuel Neuer beat him to a foot race, you know, something like 40, 50 yards outside of the penalty box. And, you know, that must be just, must be painful if you, because if this is any other team, like if Bayern do this the other way, there's no way Roman Berkey's out there and does that, right? And I think that is just, it's like, a, it's it's that extra weapon that Bayern have um, by having a goalkeeper that is essentially another field player. And that is, that's just the little details again, right? Where we can just say, okay, look, you can have a, t- you can be tactically spot on. And I think Lucien Favre actually was. I think he actually, he had a side play really well and he, you know, exposed the deficiencies in, in Bayern's play. And, and you know, Reina was, was very well positioned to make the most out of um, Bunasa, who, you know, will take time to adapt to Bayern's game. I think the, maybe the one thing he could have done is to have Reyna and, and uh, Sancho fl- switch flanks. Um, give because Sancho I think struggled a little bit against Lucas Hernandez, who I thought was excellent, and um, maybe have the two switch um, every once in a while to rain a little bit more confusion on Bayern's back line. But other than that, I thought he had this spot on, and I mean it, then it really comes down to the players executing. But it's not just the the missed opportunities. It's also that free kick that makes it 1-1 just before halftime. But Dortmund take that 1-0 lead into halftime. I think they they win this game because it becomes an entire different... Everything becomes different, right? Lewandowski makes it 1-1 in the 48th minute. And I think that's not a coincidence that he scores three minutes after halftime when Dortmund just received a sucker punch going into the dressing room, maybe still digesting what happened just before the break, right? So I think this has becomes a very different game. But that free kick, I mean, that's, that was slapstick. It, it went off Muni's back. It wasn't like Alaba scored like a fantastic free kick. And you, if you know that you were playing against Bayern, you just can't give in a situation away like that in that, in that play. So it's you can have it tactically spot on as a coach, but you have to... You have to have the players executed to perfection when you play against Bayern, and every single mistake gets punished right away. Whether eighteen yards away from goal, whether that's um, whether that's giving Lewandowski just a second to breathe, whether that's missing opportunities in front of goal, whether that's you know maybe um, not making your players switch over or having them play in the transition game. All these little details they add up, and that's I think really what happened here. The team that made the fewer mistakes in the end one. And then football is often quite that simple. And Bayern just make very few mistakes. Um, and that's, I think that is really one big takeaway from all this. The one thing though, Chris, that we have to discuss, and I think this is going to be extremely important going forward, Joshua Kimmich. That did not look good. There is some unconfirmed reports about an LCL strain um, or an LCL pole maybe even um that's an injury which is not as bad as an acl let's hope it's not an acl because that would probably be the end of the season for him but i know how important robert Lewandowski is i know how important manuel neuer is but i would actually say put my head out of the window and say joshua kimmich is the one player Bayern munich cannot replace at the moment he is a crucially important for them he is the Thiago successor. Without him, 
the next few weeks could be a lot more difficult than they anticipated. I agree. And I think it was key to Hansi Flick's reaction as well. When, when he came off, he was consoling him. I think we all saw the sort of strange pattern his knee took when he went down. Um, and it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a really big blow um, for Bayern, not just because of where he plays and of his versatility that he offers. Obviously, he can play defensive midfield. He can play right back where um, I think Saar was, was pretty poor. But let's, I think we can forgive him that. Occasionally, some really good players do have poor games in this. It's such a, a high-stakes game in the Bundesliga. Um, but yeah, he can play centrally or defensively in that midfield or that right back. But if you look at who they've got in the other areas, um, I think centrally, they're very well... Um, Portion, there's Goretzka there, Tolisso can play that area as well. Defensive midfield, I think, is where they have that problem um, in that two role because you're quite right, Thiago is that natural player who goes there and they don't have him. And now if they don't have Kimmich, that just leaves them with dedicated defensive midfielders, Javier Martinez. That's probably about it for starters, um, which is always a worry because of um, Martinez's injury record and his availability. So it could be a real blow for them. Um, I think they had to let Thiago go, but they didn't replace him because Kimmich is there. But once Kimmich goes out, that's just bad luck happens with every team. You lose a player, it's okay. You've got another key player. If you then lose that key player, you're pretty much stuffed and you can't have four world-class players per position sitting on the bench and waiting for their turn. They simply won't have it. They won't allow it. Um, the players themselves, they want to play. So that's where you have to dip into your squad and hope that the others around you could do that. And Bayern do have a very good squad. Um, going forward for them, it's going to be a real problem, especially for this season that we've got. We spoke so many times. Normally now, you know, there would be a little bit of a break. I know there is a break, got an international break, but it's not the biggest break. Um, and we're going to come straight back into this Champions League and domestic league game after game after game after game. And as you said last week on the podcast, if someone's out for six weeks normally, that's not a problem. But for this particular season, that could be 12, 13 games. And then all of a sudden there is a problem across a couple of competitions. So I think it's going to be key the next 24 to 48 hours, especially if you have to go for a scan to see exactly what the problem is, what the issue is. I've no doubt that Bayern can. Want to be sure you always look your best? The Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup Mirror from Conair makes it easy with all the features you need to groom and apply makeup with precision. Lifetime LED lighting won't ever dim or diminish. No replacement bulbs needed. One-time magnification provides a full view or 10 times magnification for close-up tweezing and details. Designed with a beautiful rose gold finish, the mirror rotates at 360 degrees with a 7.5-inch viewing surface to attend to every feature. Makes a great gift. Go to Conair.com for the Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup mirror now it wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy right celebrate the holiday season with the holiday crush they've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun packed challenges every week for five whole weeks finishing on january 4th the more challenges you complete the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards so are you ready to crush the holidays play the holiday crush now download it from the app store google play or windows store for free terms and conditions apply cope with his loss it's just how they cope with it because of how thick and fast these games come. Um, 
But for me now, this for Dortmund, Manu, this is a there's a three point gap now between them as we look at the end of match day seven. A couple of teams still left to play, but all the big hitters really have played. Um, Bayern are top on eighteen, um, Leipzig sixteen, Dortmund are fifteen. Union Berlin into 12th, and you're going to talk at great length with that, um, with Bryson. Yeah, fantastic, that's happening. But the only way Dortmund get away with this result now is if they go to the Allianz and beat Bayern at home and claw those three points back. Um, I'm not sure they can do that mentally at the moment. I think their biggest chance of three points in this particular fixture comes at home, and of course that's now gone. Yeah, I mean that's if you want to win the title, you have to beat your opponent. That's that's so very important. And their problem isn't just Bayern. I mean, Leipzig had a fantastic game on Saturday as well, right? Um, and I think Leipzig they're playing Bayern on uh, Saturday, December the fifth, and um, you know that's maybe an opportunity for Bayern to lose three points, but that's also three points against Borussia Dortmund and for Leipzig. And, so it's. I think like, I think for Dortmund it, it would have been a really important statement to to win this game, and that's really why I think the title is not gone yet. Um, it, it's too early to call it at this point. It's match day seven, right? And a lot of things can happen, especially this year with with the amount of injuries. Let let's let Kimmich be out for six, seven, eight, nine, ten match days, and that's possible. Um, I don't hope I don't. I'm not right about it, but knee injuries are tricky. Um, then we're having an entirely different conversation because is Mark Rocker ready? Do you know the Spaniard that they signed from Espanyol? Is he ready? Um, I know Hansi Flick loves Thiago Dantas, the Portuguese midfielder they signed from Benfica, but he's not registered until January. So the 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 question really becomes: How thin are you going to get? And this is, happens to lots of teams. I mean, Leipzig is is very thin at the moment as well. I mean, all the teams are struggling with this. So maybe this is like Dortmund once again have to rely on other teams getting the job done for them. And that is not a situation that you want to be in. You want to be in the in control of your own destiny. And they're not there anymore. Um, they can win the return match, of course. And we don't know what the situation is like when that return match happens. But it's, it's a blow. And um, it is something that Borussia Dortmund have to now you know reckon with they have to get quickly back on the legs they have to quickly get the results and they have they can't really slip again they had their own already their slip and they had the slip now against Bayern as well and this is this is basically it they've run out of you know the mishaps that you can have throughout the season because I don't think Bayern are going to have many more um, unless they get a big injury buck so yeah, uh, interesting one. It's going to be interesting one to say, see how this develops for the for the league. Um, I don't think the title race is over yet, Chris, because there's a lot of other games, and I think Leipzig will have a word on that as well. If you, if you honestly ask me, Derek, to create <laughs> the physical profile of the best number nine... Oh, well, there's the head of the stride! And Bayern, through Robert Lewandowski, have made it 2-1. Birki tried to get there failed to do so and it's the perfect start to the second half for the Flick 11 well there it is Guys have covered Dirk Classica and it's went by and yes, Bayern on top once again. Um, Manu, can I just ask which game was better then? Do you feel Bayern Leverkusen versus Gladbach or Dirk Classica? Which was your favourite this weekend? 
I mean, it's a terrible, terrible choice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is a terrible choice. Uh, very tricky because I think both games had a lot. And yeah, um, I would maybe just give it to the Sunday game. I think that uh, there was just a little bit more drama in that one. But I mean, both games were just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, if somebody had said after that the classic game on Saturday night, you know, there's going to be a game that will contend with it or, or possibly be more entertaining, you know, you, you would have been very, very happy to hear that, right? But, um, Manu, we're going to talk um, a little bit about uh, Joshua Kimmich. Um, obviously, he was injured uh, during the game. Uh, we've got a bit more of an update now as it's uh, 24 hours on. Uh, Manu, what, what exactly is the uh, scenario there? Yeah, it looks like um, the club confirmed it was meniscus tear. He has to have an operation. It's it's always a tricky one with a meniscus, right? Because it, there's there's two different options options that you can do with a meniscus tear. You can you can either shave off parts of the meniscus, um, take it out completely, um, or you sew it, right? And I, I know of these different options because I've done that operation. I had that operation done just very recently, actually. So the, the, the difference in, in the in the three options is that if you take out part of the meniscus, so the tear, or you shave it down, um, or take out the meniscus completely, short-term, your recovery time is much faster, right? Um, because you do not have to worry about damaging the meniscus once it's gone, or like the, the, the damage is shaved out. Long-term, the, the meniscus is not as stable or not as strong, or you don't have one anymore, Right, which means you have a long long term. The damage is bigger. Uh, you can, if depending on the the size of the hole, you can sew it, which means a very long term recovery process. This is what I actually had done on my knee, which means the first three months or so, you're not even allowed to put weight on that joint. Uh, not that means you have no. There's no no rea or the recovery process doesn't even start about until three months in. It's a lo- very long term thing. You spend a lot of time in your crutches. There's a lot of muscle deterioration. Um, but long term, you have to you are basically walking out of the operation with the same knee than you had before the injury. So this is why, you know, long term, this is the better choice. The, the tricky thing is if he if they opt to do this, he will be out a good six, eight months. That's just because you need the, the meniscus, if so, together needs that time to heal. There is no way to shortcutting it. There is no way of speeding up the recovery process. It's just not possible, right? So that's really that. That's where we are at. Like either they take out part of the meniscus, which means his recovery time is much shorter, or if they sew it together, then the recovery time is a lot longer. And I guess we'll find out after the operation on what the, the scheduled recovery time is. But I'd be surprised if it's anything below five months, right? And which just means we were talking about the spring. So the Euros maybe are possible, but he's going to miss a lot of games. And um, you know, as Chris and I mentioned in, in the earlier segment, he's quite important for Bayern. Yeah, well, we hope that he has a speedy and successful uh, recovery. It's never nice to see players for any team um, ever uh, get injured, is it? But um, yeah, I suppose that um, covers uh, all the games this weekend, or as many as we possibly could. So we'll move on to the Twitter questions that you've sent us in. So um, Manu, let, let's start off with Duncan's, eh? Uh, <laughs> Duncan says... Which is the better Bundesliga goal? Is it Grafitz or Lazaro's? Uh, I mean, Lazaro's obviously is a very present. We just seen it today, and that, that was a hell of an acrobatic effort. 
Barame Graffi, so who, who, if you don't know already, um, scored uh, the goal against a Bayern Munich. This is the one he's referring to for Wolfsburg back in 2009, where he just seems to keep dribbling forever. Yeah, I would actually say maybe Graffitz, because it's historically it's more important. Wolfsburg demolished Bayern in that game, right, and secured the title more or less. Well, I mean, they didn't secure it in that match day, but they made a big step towards the title. And it also led to uh, Klinsmann being fired, if I remember correctly. So I think historically that one is just a bit more important. Uh, Lazaro's was fantastic. It's a beautiful goal. But um, it was also the 4-3, um, you know, in a game that they lost. So I think maybe Crafitz, I would still say Crafitz is maybe better because of the historical value. Yeah, I I would probably side for that one as well. As much as they're both fantastic goals, um, I think Crafitz might just pip it on this one. Um Okay, on to the next question. We've got Toby Gills um, here. He's saying, is Lazaro's goal the best ever Bundesliga goal? Uh, we've more or less just said, no, it isn't. Uh, does it at least win greatest gap in ratio between goal quality and celebration intensity? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to think if I even seen the celebration. No, because they were they really needed to like quickly get the ball out of the net. <laughs> yeah, I was going to think it, it, it's ever completely gone by me or, or there wasn't one anyway uh, Toby goes on then to ask uh, and perhaps also how does Schick uh, get in the Leverkusen team with Alario playing like he is does Bosk change the system for him or does he simply bench me it's a very good question um, the way Alario is playing he's making a very good point that maybe they should have invested the money in someone else right rather than Schick uh, he's been excellent I think Alario is finally showing the potential that we've seen um, of him when he played in Argentina and also when he played for the German, uh, the Argentinian national team uh, including against Germany in Germany and he showed that quality he's just never really shown it consistently for Leverkusen so maybe it was just a, maybe this is just he seized the moment and he's made the most out of the opportunity I think with the amount of games that we have this year and Chris and I have spoken about this on great length is there's so many games and there is so many injury injuries and there's also the clubs have to um you know the wonderful word that you had to learn last week Bryce Belastungssteuerung clubs have to give players the opportunity to rest so I, I think they will just have to rotate at some point because Alario is not going to be able to play every game but it's very tricky like how do you take out a striker like that and you know um tell him that he's not playing considering he's like what on seven goals now and seven match days it's that's I, I it would be a hard argument to make yeah, well, I, th- I think it's always a, a good predicament to have, isn't it, in your squad? You know, you're you're spoiled for choice with um, uh, your talent uh, to put on, and I, I think with his form at the moment, it must be hard to uh, to really look past him. But final question of the day, uh, we have Ed Blythe um, asks Manu, would you place money on Bayern Munich winning the league or the field? Maybe that's on the field. Um, it is easy. It is early. But they seem to be playing well, so well right now. That's it. I'm piecing it together, Ed. Here, um, Manu, what do you think? Money on Bayern winning the league. You know, we've we've seen the Winter Classic. They're sitting on on top. You know, eighteen points, two points ahead of RB. Uh, is it done? Fourteen wins in a row in the Champions League, um, destroying everyone on their path in European competition and the Bundesliga. Is it done? No, I don't think it's done. I think that this is a very long season and um, losing a player like Joshua Kimmich is a big blow for them. 
this is maybe, and I tweeted that on, on match day, this is maybe the one player they cannot replace, right? Um, they, together with Robert Lewandowski, maybe. But he is he is so very important for the side, especially now that uh, Thiago is at Liverpool, right? And he, he slipped into that role so well um, and maybe even improved on the role that Thiago played for Bayern. He's been... He's been tremendous, and he's such a such um, such an important part of the side. And I think that we for Dortmund this is a big blow in their championship ambitions because um, of the, the many things that I highlighted earlier. But I don't think Bayern are clear yet in the Bundesliga. They're probably going to have an easier time in the Champions League this year again, like than in the Bundesliga, like they had in the previous year. They seem to enjoy that and have a much easier time with the style of football that they play there than in the Bundesliga, where everyone now presses them much more. Much more. So I don't think it's done, but they are obviously they're the favourites to win the league. Yeah, it's it's gonna look or it's gonna be hard to look past them, isn't it? But um, you never know. There's a lot of games still to go, uh, and anything can happen really. So um, let's just uh, let's just see. Where the the thing we don't want, Manu, is a, a one horse race, is it? So. Um, so yeah, as long as it's close, as long as it's entertaining, we'll be happy. But yeah, that more or less does it uh, for this week. It's been a very entertaining uh, weekend, hasn't it? And we go into the international break now with Germany um, having a few games against uh, Spain, uh, Ukraine and Czech Republic. Uh, we'll be back before you know it uh, with more Bundesliga action. Um, thanks very much for listening from uh, Chris, Manu and myself. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn, and I'll feed us in. Let's be real. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want, anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at conair.com and search Unbound. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.